So today, today I want to talk to you at the very beginning about three-year-olds. <laughs> self-control, self-control is not how you would describe the typical three-year-old. If a three-year-old thinks it, they say it. If a three-year-old feels it, they express it. And it comes out all kinds of ways. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I love you, Daddy. I hate you, Mommy. <laughs> Mommy, why is that man fat? Why is he bald? Why is his back hairy? Mommy, you know, and so on and on it goes. This tastes yummy. This is horrible. <laughs> and they spit it out. Now, if you live long enough and you become an 83-year-old, you will do the same thing. <laughs> Truth. If you think it, you will say it. If you feel it, you will express it. What a horrible dress she has on. I can't believe that neckline is inappropriate. This fried chicken is wonderful. Tastes just like my mother's. This fried chicken is terrible. You know, Aunt Lorraine couldn't cook either. You know, <laughs> and on and on and it goes. So your prayer, your hope is that between the ages of three and 83, there's some measure of holiness that takes place in your life. There's some measure of becoming more like Jesus so that when you get to that unfiltered state again at 83, it's modified by the Spirit of God. That's your only hope, okay? So again, by way of reminder, we've been focusing on the fruit of the Spirit. This is Paul's way of describing what does a Jesus follower look like? What does it look like when someone's being transformed from the inside out? How can you tell? Jesus said you can tell a tree by its fruit. And so Paul describes this spirit evidence as being these things. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we're going to be talking, of course, about self-control. Can we be honest? Americans lack self-control. We've got a problem with this. It shows up in our waistlines. It shows up in our Amazon carts. It shows up in our lack of savings for retirement or for emergencies. It shows up in our relationships. I think Americans, we have all become some version of Veruca Salt. I want it now! And with Amazon, it's one click away, and it arrives tomorrow. Nowhere is this self-control more needed than in our speech, right? In our speech. And we see this on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, just go on one of those things later this afternoon and, and just read what other people are writing and posting about other people, people made in the image of God, people for whom Jesus died. Now, fortunately for us, Lack of self-control is not a new problem. It has been blighting humanity since Adam and Eve, <laughs> okay? And so the biblical writers talk about this, and the apostles and the biblical writers knew that what we say to each other literally has the power of life and death. Um, and so the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, 
that is a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> that is so not true. Don't ever let one, anybody sell you that, okay? So the human tongue, the human tongue inside the mouth, blah, 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 the human tongue is a little over two ounces, but it has the power to shape your relationships. It has the power to shape your self-worth. It has the power to shape your performance at school or on the job. It has the power to shape your connection with God. And so today, I want to talk to you about the poo ounces inside your mouth. Because, because you've been on the receiving end of words that absolutely crushed you. Christmas, I was 10 years old. I bought this log candle for my grandfather with my own money at one of those stores that came to the school. And the family Christmas is there. And he opened it up, and out of my aunt's mouth were these words. What a stupid gift. Okay? So you've been on the receiving end of words that have crushed you. And then you've been on the receiving end of things that propelled you to do and be more than you thought you could ever do or be. Right? Um, my grandmother, Mark, I believe God's got something special for you. God's going to use you. Right? Okay? So... I want to talk to you about these things, and to do that, we're going to be in the book of James. God will give you the power to have self-control, and so we're going to be looking at what the apostle James has to say to us, and again, if you were here for the last intergen, you know that James isn't his real name. His real name is Jacob. This is Jacob, the half-brother of Jesus, who was a leader in the church in Jerusalem, and he was writing to the people in and around uh, Jerusalem. And we know from his letter that these Christians were struggling. They were struggling because they weren't taking care of widows and orphans. They, weren't, they were showing favoritism to rich people. <gasps> we don't do that in America. They were saying harsh and hateful things to one another which is why he says what he says in chapter 3, verses 1 and following. So we're going to go at it a couple of verses at a time. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. Ouch. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Why does he pick on teachers? I mean, come on, we're in Kentucky. Teachers are being picked on enough. Like, why does he pick on teachers? Well, part of the reason that he picks on teachers is, as my wife says, I teach, which means I talk a lot. Teachers talk a lot, we do, and we say things, and we can say lots of things. We use lots of words. And James says, because of what you're doing, you need to be careful, because you're talking about God, you're talking about what's important, and you gotta be careful. Um, and so I know this as a, as a person who preaches on a regular basis. There's the sermon that I prepare, there's the sermon I deliver, and then there's the sermon that people hear. And those things are often vastly different. I will encounter somebody at Kroger and they'll be like, Max, you know, last week when you said, and I'm like, I didn't say that. That wasn't my notes. That never came out of my mouth. And, you know, boom, I said it, boom. That's, you know, <laughs> and so it happens all the time. And so... When you're using lots of words like we teachers do, you can run into problems, um, which is why I'm careful about what I say uh, because sometimes I can say things that harm somebody's faith or hammer, ha hamstring them in a particular way. And, and Jacob is wanting us to understand that that's a reality. 
okay? And then he gives the first of a series of metaphors, and that's in verse three and following. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. James is saying, well, why is this so important? Well, with a horse, all you need is a bit. I don't, I don't horse ride. Horses scare me. You're up really, really high, and if you fall off, that's ouch. That's a big ouch, okay? And so I've seen horses go really fast. I can't imagine being on a runaway horse, can you? Like imagine if your ho- you lost the reins or they snapped and the horse is spooked and now he's at a full gallop going, you know, we live in Kentucky, there are cliffs everywhere, and now you're on a runaway horse. That's a dangerous thing. That's the image that Jacob is wanting us to get in our minds. And then the boat, the same thing is with a rudder. I am a kayaker, and so I'm out on Kentucky's lakes regularly, and I'm gonna tell you that these jet skis and little roundabout boats, they need their rudders. <laughs> they need their rudders. I'll be paddling along, paddling along, and I'll see boom, and you know, I'm like, turn, turn, and I'm waving my oar, and rudders are important. If, you ha- if your rudder fails and, and you're on a jet ski, it's bad, okay? So again, a small little thing that's part of a boat or part of a, that the, part of a horse can make a huge difference. And James is wanting to say that something small, the inside of the mouth, can control something big. That's what he's wanting to say. It can control your relationships, your job, your future, and a runaway tongue can kill, maim, and destroy. And so he goes on and he gives us some other kind of metaphors, and that's in verse five and following. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and a tongue, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. Can we all agree, are these strong words? Are the... Are you picking up on the metaphor? This, the, I want the urgency of this is like a dad who is, uh, whose daughter is going out for the prom the first night, uh, you know, the, for the first time. And the boy comes in. There's, you know, when you're a dad in that moment, there's a sense of urgency. I want you to follow all of the things that I've laid out. Like, you know, okay. And so Jacob has that sense about the tongue. There's something about it that is powerful. And in the ancient world, fire was unrivaled in terms of the destruction that it could, that it could ravage. Uh, Rome burned. London burned. Chicago burned. And they didn't have the little... They didn't have the fire trucks. They didn't have the water lines. They didn't have the tanker pumps. They didn't have that. And so if it caught on fire, it was gone. That's just what happened. And so all you could do was run for your life. (laughs) Fire in the ancient world. So Jacob goes on and he has verses seven and eight and he kind of follows up this section. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Dogs, horses, even the earth itself can be tamed by us, but not the tongue. The tongue is powerful. 
and you and I know this all too well. Uh, John Eldridge, who is a Christian writer and writes about what it's like to be a man or live life as a man, um, he cautions readers that uh, frequently great damage can be done to boys because of what's said to them. Uh, and he says, go up to any swimming pool, go up to any swimming pool if you're a man and sit along the edge of the pool and just sit there. And he says, nine times out of 10, what, ha what will happen is that the kids who are unsupervised, who are there without their parents will come up to you and say, watch this. I've done this at our pool. It is amazing, it happens. So I'm, I'm just trying to enjoy time by the pool. I don't know these kids from Adam. And because I'm a man, I'm in at the edge of the pool, they swim up, hey, watch this. And they wanna hear a man say, whoa, that was spectacular. How long have you been practicing that? You're amazing. Are you gonna be an Olympian? You know, they're looking for that kind of, can do I have what it takes? Watch me jump off, watch me do this trick. Now sometimes, watch this is also followed by 911, state your emergency. Okay, so keep that in mind. But like, and so Eldridge says that what we say, in particular to young boys, has the power to shape their future. Too often, as Eldridge complains, a boy hears, you're stupid, you're weak, you're a mama's boy, right? And, and it creates a wound. Lori Beth Jones reports the same thing. She writes about, uh, in her book, The Past, she talks about a young girl who uh, decided that she was gonna spend her spare time. She went into this office building in Manhattan and she rode the elevator up and down. She, she's, I don't know if she just loved elevators, but she up and down, up and down. And there was an older man that was the elevator attendant. This is back in the day when they had those. Maybe they still have them in New York, I don't know. And so he would say to her, you are such a smart girl. You are, you, you are a sharp cookie. You know, someday you'll be working in an office like this. I wouldn't be surprised if someday you're running an office like this, right? And so she came from a no-dad home. Uh, you know, the whole, all the markers that go against you in life, she had all of them. Well, today she's a senior partner in one of the most prestigious law firms in, in lower Manhattan. And she says part of that is because of that older man in the elevator who simply spoke those words over her. Um, is it a coincidence? Not on your life, there's, there's a connection, okay? So let me ask a couple of questions in light of this. What are you saying to the people around you? What are you saying to the people around you? What regularly comes out of your mouth? What are your trademark phrases? And if in asking that question, you're sitting there you're like, thanks a lot, Max, I came to church to be encouraged, and okay, so hang on, hang on, hang on, there's good news, okay? But what are the things that you're regularly saying? And then secondly, and we often don't think about this, but what are you saying to yourself? And this may not come out of your mouth. These may simply be the words that you think in your head and your thinker, as Dr. Seuss would say. But what are you saying to yourself? Um, Self-talk is just as important. I, I know people who will say, oh, I'm so stupid, I'm so clumsy. Uh, people will say, they will think these thoughts, oh, I'm never gonna catch a break, I'm just never gonna catch a break. And, you know, so what are you saying to yourself, right? So, I, as always, I want to give some practical, practical advice. So, what do you do? Like, since James says the tongue's a big deal, and since self-control is a big deal, how can you and I walk this out? Well, first, I would recommend if you don't have a reading plan right now, 
August would be a good time to read through the book of James and the book of Proverbs. Those are two really good books that have a lot to say about uh, speaking and words and, and, and speech. Uh, a fool says whatever comes to mind. If they think it, they say it. Um, uh, Brian Hull, a few years ago, was a, a safeguard for me at a youth mission trip in Steubenville. So I'm an introvert. Uh, I had been whew, high energy, interacting with people with no downtime, and my filter went away. It was not good. And Brian would simply walk past me and, and ask this question, Max, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to shut my mouth. That's what I'm going to do right now. Ding! <laughs> okay? So, so again... We live, you got to keep in mind, we live at a day and a time where self-expression is king. Just express it. Express yourself. And woo, I'm telling you, uh, it's like the song, I'm on fire. It's going to hurt. So you need that filter of the Holy Spirit. You need that stopgap, okay? So the second thing, so read the book of James, the book of Proverbs. Get some of God's thoughts into your thinker in the month of August. The second thing is think before you speak. And I, and I wanna talk about something really practical here. And, and that's this, if you have something affirming or positive that you wanna say to somebody, maybe it's a member of your family, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's somebody here at church, you know what? Writing that down in a note is huge. Putting it in print is king. Send them a note. Post something on Facebook and give them that kind of shout out. Um, write it down. The kind of compliments and affirmation, we don't get enough of those. And so if they have something tangible that they can go back to a week later, a month later, that's huge, right? So compliments should happen in writing. Uh, compliment in writing and print and text and post. But if you have an issue with somebody, if the relationship's out of sorts, if you kind of need to confront or correct, don't ever put that in print. Don't ever send an email. Don't ever put a Facebook post and light someone on fire, right? Always do that in person or by the phone. Okay, so do you see the difference? Compliment in writing, correct in person. If you follow that simple simple rule in your life, it's gonna save you a world full of trouble. And so I wanna to talk to young people for a moment because I know that it, in today's day and age where you have to send somebody a text to ask them permission if you can call them, that there's some issues about confronting, right? And so I run across regularly, well, and I'll hear from somebody, they're 16, they're 20, they're 22, and they are upset with Amy. Well, let me tell you about Amy. Have you talked to Amy? Oh, no. Would you be willing to talk to Oh, absolutely not. But I've been posting about her, you know, on my, what? Okay, so I'm just going to suggest to you that when you've got, when you're all out of sorts with somebody, you got to face the gorilla and talk to them in person or at the very least by the phone. And because tone of voice is important, body language is important, and most of the time when you take that step, you'll be surprised how it can get resolved. Oh, I stepped on, I'm, I'm sorry, right? So compliment in writing, correct in person. And the last thing is talk less. You may not know this. Do, do you know some of the stories about George Washington? Do you know who George Washington is? 
the founder of the United States of America, right? Okay, so the first president of the United States, George Washington, uh, at the Constitutional Convention, this was George Washington. So John Adams was a firebrand. John Adams would be up there, my fellow countrymen, it is patriot. And George Washington had a chair, and George Washington did this. Once there was an issue they couldn't resolve, and he stood up and he said two sentences. You could have heard a pin drop, and everybody's like, oh, we're going to do what George said. <laughs> My father in law, when I was younger, he would say this Max, keep your mouth shut. What do you mean, Dave? The less you talk, the more brilliant people think you are. <laughs> I was like, what? And it's true. <laughs> so it's true. So the, the other thing that we could do is simply talk less. And I know the, for some of us that's hard because when we're, when we're nervous or we're a little off, we're, because we're verbal, the way we handle our nervousness is, right? And it's just a thing. So I, I get that, but talk less. What, what kind of life would you have if you had greater self-control? So why is this so important? Well, Parents, right? The words that you speak over your kids over time become their inner voice. I don't know if you know this, but so as a parent, the things that you say over your children when they're younger, when they become adults, the little voice that they hear in their head is actually connected to what you said to them. So intentionality is huge. And if, if you want, message me later this week and I'll, I'll give you some links to a lady named, named Carol Dweck who talks about practical ways that parents can speak blessing over their children in ways that are good, right? She says, praise effort, not accomplishment. Uh, she says, praise character, not success, right? It's, you know, who cares that they got straight A's? You worked really hard and studied really hard for that. I'm really proud of you, right? And so uh, message me this week and I'll give you some links about some things. So again, this is one of the reasons it's important. The other reason it's important is we live in a day at a time where, man, people are getting torched online. It's rough. Like uh, if you're a church, if you're anybody, right? So the, one of the biggest ways that people torch are reviews, right? If you had something go wrong at your hotel stay or da-da-da-da, boom, you're going to light them on fire. Um, and some of the Amazon reviews reflect that. So the thing is, I believe that today we need more bridge builders than we need torch lighters. We need more bridge builders in our country than we have torch lighters, okay? And I love the way Solomon puts it. And this is uh, Eugene Peterson's translation of Proverbs 18:21. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. <laughs>